sharing the power of the blood of Jesus with others is the greatest expression of love you could ever give somebody, isn't it? I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But I want to conclude the series, uh, six or eight part series that I've been preaching off and on from John 17. And I want to remind you guys from John 17 that if you ever really want to get into that and be blessed from that fully, yet again, you can go to newsongmedford.com and and uh, listen to those again because I, it's one of the most happy and blessed series for me I've ever done. And I, I want us to be continually refreshed. If you happen to miss any, miss any of them or want to hear them again, you can, you can get them there. I want to remind you that Jesus' prayer in John 17 is overwhelmingly positive. Um, there's a huge tsunami of positivity, two actually. One is that Jesus gets what he wants. If he has a vision for his church, that's what he's going to be working for. And John 17 spells out the vision he has for his church. We've talked about that. Secondly, the Father, if there's any prayer that the Father answers, it's the prayers of Jesus. And Jesus prayed specifically for stuff in John 17. And God the Father is answering those prayers. So we have Jesus' vision is one tsunami of positivity that we can serve. And the other one is is Jesus' prayer of positivity for us in our lives 2,000 years later that we can surf as well. So I'd say get your surfboards out and and live um, out of the principles and thoughts and prayers of Jesus' vision because it's a beautiful vision indeed. One of the things we talked about, and you will remember from John 17, is the is the Father's love. And that's what I want to talk to you about yet again today. And you might be thinking, well, again, are we can talk about Father's love again? I want to tell you something. My talking about the Father's love is just the tip of the iceberg of how much Jesus Christ talked about the Father's love during his three years of ministry. I mean... He was obsessed with moving the people of Israel from the image of God that they had, where the Father, God as Father, was mentioned just a few times in the Old Testament, to a shocking, gripping, grab you by the shoulders, look you in the eye and say, God is your Father and He adores you and loves you like a Father, and let that rock your world. Not just once, not just twice, but every day for the rest of your life. Let it rock your world. Jesus, in his prayer, tells the Father, I have manifested your name, the name Father, to my disciples. Please, Father, please know I have made your name known to them. Your name not just being label of a person, but presence of a person. I have made your name, Father, known to them. Now will you please make 
your name known to them, O Father. And then he says, I have declared your name, that is Father, to them. And you know what? After I go to that cross and die for them, and blood bought by them into an eternal, beautiful love relationship with, with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit forever, I have a singular goal. I will continue down through the ages, make your name known to my blood-bought ones. This is my singular goal, to continue to rock their worlds, to shock them with the intense, uh, infinite dimensions of the love I have, that you have, that the Holy Spirit has for them. I want to shake them up every day of their life and jolt them to laughter and jolt them to tears with one thing, my deep care for them as a person. They matter to me, each one. So here it is, my friends. Let's read it. John 17, verse 25. Oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, that is, your presence, Father, and I will declare it. Hallelujah. He's still declaring it. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. In this verse, Jesus is declaring a most incredible fringe benefit of his declaration of the Father to you. And that is the fringe benefit of Jesus' ongoing declaration that he is your Abba Father, the Spirit testifying with your spirit that you are a son and a daughter of God. An amazing, incredible fringe benefit that he imparts to you and to me by virtue of the fact that he declares it. He tells us what that fringe benefit is. But I want you to get first that when God says something, it happens. Let there be light. Let the, let their, let their land appear. Let there be sea creatures. Let there be animals. Everything God declares, it happens. So when God declares what I'm about to tell you, you and I have an obligation in childlike faith to embrace it fully because it is happening. And that is this. As Jesus, in an ongoing way, declares to you the perfect love of the Father, that love is put in you. It's planted in you, deep in your spirit, deep in the very marrow of your bones, deep in your blood, deep in your DNA. That love, that, and it's, it's, it's not just a, It's not just an ordinary love. It's the very same love that the Father loved the Son Jesus with. Would you agree with me that God the Father has a special affection for his Son Jesus? Would you agree with me that his baptism 
This is my son, my love, I'm well pleased. At the transfiguration, this is my beloved son, hear him. This is the quality and the depth of the love. The same love that he loves the son with, look at me, he's put into your deepest soul, into your deepest spirit. And there's nothing you can do to change it. There's nothing you can do to kick it out. There's nothing you can do to shake it up or to change it. He doesn't love you any less because you're bad or any more because you're good. Because he has declared the Father to you, that fringe benefit is irreversible, irrevocable, and impossible to escape. His love is has been spoken to you deeply, and it's going to stay forever. And there's nothing you can do to change that. So relax and enjoy the ride. My first talking point, the Father's love is with us with absolute certainty. I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them. Hallelujah. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Now just like your, your parents... There are some of us that have had dysfunctional parents. And I'm sorry that's true, but God's different than those parents. But just as you as a parent don't just have one way of expressing love to your children. And those of us that had good parents had a variety of ways that we received love. God gives us his love in different ways. But I first and foremost wanted to get it into us that it's because he has said it that it's gonna ha- it, it happens. It's there. Whether you feel like it or not, it's there. But praise God for other ways that he expresses and causes us to experience his love. How many of you guys have ever felt the love of God simply by the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. Look at those hands. I'll never forget the first time I experienced love from the Holy Spirit. It's when I was baptized in water and the day I got good saved. I'd only known the Holy Spirit as a convicting spirit in the past. That day, when I came out of the water, I wanted to just to pitch a tent and live there the rest of my life. Salmon Creek, near Hawkinson, Washington. I just felt the love permeating the air. It's the same love I felt when I walked in the door today. Thick. Presence of the Spirit of God, the love of God in this place. The Holy Spirit of God is shed, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now we, there's an ebb and flow to that. Sometimes we don't feel necessarily the Holy Spirit conveying love. But man, when he does, It's beautiful. (laughs) 
Another way we can experience God's love is from the prophetic. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by God's love because of a prophetic word spoken over you that you were shocked to get? You maybe were expecting the prophet to tell you all your sins or, you know, make you feel embarrassed or ashamed because that's how you felt God actually feels about you. And instead, God just said stuff about you that you just, you know, it's like, whoa, 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 keep going, baby, keep talking. <laughs> I have a, early on a prophetic word in my life. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it had to do with God's calling me to preach the gospel. And the guy didn't know I was called to preach and teach the gospel. He just started declaring over it. And it was so poetic and so beautiful and such an inspiration that I felt so encouraged about my calling in my life. But even more deeper than that, I felt an overwhelming sense of his care, his, his deep affection that the God of the universe cared about me. I mattered. It's a huge blessing. I just was beautifully stunned by it. And I never have forgotten that. And I think about that prophetic word now. I felt about it probably at least once a week for the last over over 40 years. Men a lot. I remember another prophetic word at a leaders conference at Bethel Redding in Redding, California where the prophetic team didn't know anything about me, but started prophesying evangelism over me and prophetic evangelism and miracles. And I I hadn't even tried much prophetic stuff, but it propelled me into a new level of soul winning that included more of the miraculous, more of when I pray for people asking God to show me something and getting words. And I'll never forget that word. And you know, when I went in for a brain surgery, Mary Vaughn gave me a word. You have the mind of Christ. That's a Bible verse too, by the way. You have the mind of Christ. I had no idea how much I would need that verse in intensive care following the surgery. And I felt so weak. And my blood pressure was spiking so high. And they were trying to get it down with any, any way they could because they didn't want my brain to start bleeding because of the high blood pressure spike to start bleeding again. So they'd have to do more surgery again. They were desperate to try to keep it down. I felt like I was losing my mind. I was so weak and so sick. I kept saying, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. I said it hundreds of times over the next four nights. The long, dark Nights of the soul. I wasn't trying to be spiritual. I was trying to have some anchor for hope 
for how horrible I was, I was feeling. It worked. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be spiritual. I was just trying to survive. And it worked. Let's, let's always value the prophetic. Well, I remind you, you guys think I'm a big baby crying so much. <laughs> Paul, the Apostle Paul said in an apostolic culture to the Ephesian elders, I was with you with many tears. So, put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. Let's value the prophetic. Some of them are, they're all going to be positive, a blessing. If they're not, you need to judge them by scripture. I mean, sometimes prophetic people, they need to word it more positively, even if they're being a bit corrective. But God's never going to shame, God never shames us or embarrasses us. There's varying degrees of blessing from the prophetic. It needs to be assessed, needs to be judged, yes. But it is one of the deepest, most profound ways of God sharing his heart, his, his deep heart affection for you. So tell the Lord sometime soon, bring it on, Jesus. Maybe some of you will want to stay after and even get get a word today. Then there's circumstantial blessings. You know, there's a very sobering word in Joshua 24, last chapter of Joshua, where it says that as long as the elders and the leaders that were with Joshua and Caleb that had seen and talked about the miracles that God had done for Israel, as long as they lived and kept talking about the miracles and blessings that God had done for Israel, Israel served the Lord. As long as that was going on. The next book of the Bible is Judges. And in the first chapter, it said, after that generation passed away, they forgot the works of the Lord. And they stopped serving the Lord. So, Focusing on the miracles that God has done for us. Praising him and passing the stories on down through your family. Talking about them whenever you can, whether they happened yesterday or 20, 30 years ago. To keep the stories current is not just something that charismatic neo-Pentecostal churches like to do. It's something that is fundamentally essential for the inspiration of a people to keep serving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. So always and evermore, don't forget what I just said. It's probably the most important thing I will say today. Keep the testimonies going. 
uh, testimony that I've shared with you before. You can't see this, but this is my picture of my great-grandpa Christian and my great-grandma Sophia. And my great-grandpa Christian made these shoes. And they still have dirt on them, just like I would have if I would have been him. From 140 years ago. I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to chip it out. But he made these shoes for himself. But he came over from Denmark in the 1880s or earlier. Maybe it was 1870s. I forget which. I have to look that up. But the ship he was on was in a bad storm and they thought that was going to go down. And he got down on his knees and called on Jesus and said, if you'll save us, I'll serve you my whole life. In the new land, I'm going to. He was coming over from Denmark. And the storm abated. They landed safely. And he spent his whole life as a farmer. I actually, a couple of years ago, went to one of the houses he lived in and just looked, looked around the yard no one was living there. It's, a, it's about ready to be torn down. But he shared his life there. But everywhere he went, Hood River, White Salmon, Camas, Washougal, Washington, Southwest Washington, everywhere he went, he helped start Methodist Sunday schools. He never forgot his vow. Now, God didn't hold that over and say, you know, remember what you said. It's more like this is a story for my family, that as long as I'm going to live, I'm alive, I'm going to keep telling because it's a story of, of a miracle, a story of blessing, a story that says who we as a family are. And I hope that you are doing that. I hope that you are finding stories. And I hope that you are keeping the stories going and I hope that you're producing stories that you can pass on to your children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, till Jesus comes. Because that's who we are. We are people of miracles. Then there's the cross. What a beautiful expression of love. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten son. And the apostle Paul writes, Jesus Christ loved me and he gave himself for me. It's a very personal thing, this cross business. John Wesley said when he discovered the cross, I discovered that Jesus Christ, he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed and I knew that Jesus Christ loved me. And he died for me. Not just for everybody else. If you haven't embraced it fully personally, do it today. Because you matter to him. He died for you. He loves you. And the blood of Jesus is for you. Different ways that God expresses his love for us. He does love us with absolute certainty. And he does love us with great depth. That's my second talking point. The Father's love is with great depth. 
Let's read verse 26. And I have declared... Are you still there? Listening? Yeah, I don't want to be left alone up here. And I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Just to emphasize, the love with which you loved me is in them. My friends, that's deep love. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. His love is rolling over you like an ocean. That's a good deal. I said to my son David, he came over the other day, he said, David, I'm so glad to see you. I think I know for the first time how my dad felt when he was in his 90s. And every time I came to see him, he'd greet me with these, this word, Daniel. Because he loved me. And that's just a, just a little bit of the kind of love that your dad in heaven loves you with. Behold, look at it, consider it. What great manner the Father has loved you with that you are called a child of God. Consider it. Let that wave of love wash over you. And you know what? God's not just content to put his love in your heart. He puts Jesus in your heart as well to accelerate his love. To add Jesus' love to the Father's love on the inside makes an incredible synergism and chemistry of divine love that the Holy Spirit, when he adds his ingredients to, is, a, is something that's so overwhelmingly beautiful, it's hard to even talk about. It's so amazing and so wonderful. Jesus actually lives in us. He lives his life in us. You don't have to understand all that that means in order to accept the fact that it's there. He'll unpack it for you in time, as time goes on. But he's there, and he's not leaving. One of the earliest songs I ever heard, the chorus, I sang it over and over again when I worked at Alcoa Aluminum Factory wire mill in Vancouver, Washington when I was 19 years old. I sang it over and over again in the graveyard shift in the loudness of the place. I'm going to sing it for you right now. Jesus, you came down to earth and lived me a perfect life. And then you died upon that cross for my sins. That life rose from the dead. And now, now you live inside of me, Lord. You're really something. I believe in you. I've never lost the incredible gratitude. And now you live inside of me, Lord. You're really something. You're really, really something, Lord. 
that you live inside of me. I do believe in you. Believe it. These other workers kind of kept their distance. I think they were a little afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Went my eight hours went a lot faster singing that song, though. The Father loves us. The Father's love in us is with absolute certainty. It's with great depth. And thirdly, the Father's love in us is with the most satisfying fullness ever. His love in us is so, so utterly, utterly satisfying in us. I feel that from Jesus when he says, I've declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. This makes me so happy, Jesus could have added. I am thrilled that your love is is in them, because I have declared it, and I speak in worlds come into being, and Galaxies are produced. And I have said, I have declared the name of the Father and will declare it. And in so doing, not only will they get the Father, but they will get the, they will get the Father's love and I myself will be in them. And this makes me very, very, very happy. Jesus would continue. Jesus is deeply satisfied with the fact that the Father's love and Jesus himself is in you. And it's satisfying to us as well. When Christ, who is our life, appears, Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is part of your personal history, your personal future that you will look back on as your personal history. There will be a real time when you are with Christ and in the midst of his glory. And it will be pleasant and blissful beyond anything you can imagine now. But there is something in this verse that is also for now. Christ, who is your life, Now, when Christ, who is your life, now appears, then you will be with him in glory. He is your life now. He's the one and the only one that can satisfy your hunger, that can quench your thirst, that can fill your emptiness that can calm your restlessness. Truth is now a person. Love is now a person. Peace is now a person. Wisdom is now a person. Your focus in life is now a person. And for some of us, we need to get something on the inside out of the way to make room for this person. We need to move away a worry, a fear, 
a resentment or bitterness, a life disappointment that continually plagues us on the inside. We need to move stuff out of the way, an ambition, a goal, a person. We need to, on the inside, move them out of the way and make room for the one who is your life. He's the one that is life. He's a person, and he's life itself. We eat of him. We drink of him. We feed on him. We love him. We feed and enjoy his love. And it's more, it's beyond morning devotions or attending church. Anthony preached so well last week. He talked about the need, the call of God for us to grow spiritually. I want to tell you, I have an area that I'm calling on God every day that I can grow in. And that is to abide and live in Jesus. Not just when I'm preaching or worshiping with the saints. Not just when I'm enjoying the Bible and my coffee in the morning. But in a way where I'm recognizing that Jesus is in me and Jesus is with me and he's my life. And I can praise him. And I can ask him for stuff. And I can tell him how I'm feeling about stuff. And you know what? There's some other things that we can do to sort of stir that. I found out. Uh, We can sing to him. We can listen to worship music. And we can sing along. One of my first mentors, Ivorita Orville Leithesher, their second generation Azusa Street Revival people. And they mentored me, discipled me early on. And every time I'd go into their house before I would retire myself for the night and have a prayer with them, Ivorita would burst into an Azusa Street Revival song. She'd have a different one every time. And I always sort of tolerated her singing, as you guys so generously did with mine a few moments ago. But I want to tell you, I understand it better now. There was a connection with abiding in Jesus. John 15 calls us to abide in Jesus, which means to live in him, not just visit him once in a while. And I'm finding my heart cry, Anthony, in the area of growth, is I want to do better at abiding and living in him feeding on him through my day. I invite you to join me in that. The Greek, another factor that helps is the fellowship factor. You know, in the Greek, in that word, it says, uh, where it says that I may, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. The English word in, that, Pay attention. I don't want to see your eyes glaze over. I'm going to give you a Greek lesson. The, the English word in is the Greek word en, epsilon nu. And it means not just inside of you, it includes that, but it means among you. And one of the key ways we fellowship with Jesus is by fellowshipping with each other. He's there profoundly 
and in real life where two or three are gathered. So every time you have an interaction with another believer, the primary person you're relating to isn't the person that you're talking to. It's Jesus in the midst of you. That's a profound reality. Um, that the love which, which you love me may be in them together. So that we're walking along the road to Emmaus and all of a sudden someone else is there. And we're recognizing him. There's a wall hanging from my grandparents' generation. Christ is the head of the home, this home, the unseen guest of every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. Let's see him. J.I. Packer put it this way. When we fellowship with other Christians, we are always relating more directly to Jesus than we are to the person we are fellowshipping with. I saw two young ladies, young moms, hug each other over here last week. And I thought to myself at the time, now there's a group hug. Those two sisters and Jesus are having a group hug. Oops. You know, the Wesley, the first great awakening continued until the small group stopped. It's like every joint supplies, and that supply is Jesus himself. I'm not going to take time to have the testimonies. I was going to have a couple of testimonies of our small, small groups, but I'm not going to take time today for that. I just want to just reiterate, the Father's love in us is with absolute certainty. The Father's love in us is with great depth. The Father's love in us is with the very, very most satisfying fullness. And if I was going to preach the fourth point, it would be the Father's love in us is with its overflowing nature. And that's what that skit was all about. There's something about Jesus' experience of love that he just had to share it. And the, those young people did such a wonderful short skit that the, when you experience the blood of Jesus and its power and the love of Jesus and his power, you just have to share it with somebody. It just has to find a way out. Let's stand up. I invite you to hang out for the prophetic. if you'd like, over on this side. And to believe God for miracles with the pastoral care team on this side. Let's put our hands on our hearts. We praise you, Jesus, for your shocking love, the Father's shocking love, and the revelation of the Father that you continually declare to us. We declare over ourselves that we are listeners and hearers 
and growers in the experience of your, of your love and what it means to abide in you, Jesus. Wonder of wonders. Oh, beautiful, beautiful Jesus. We declare over us a greater anointing of appreciating and understanding the depths of that care for us. And this and the utterly satisfying in our deepest being, utterly satisfying fullness of that affection and care. And we declare over all of us that we find ourselves overflowing it to others. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Everybody said, we love you. God loves you. Have a great week. That's what my father does. Yeah, fail you won't define me. Cause that's what my father does.